Hello, good evening, and welcome to the latest episode of The Game is About Glory. I'm your host, THFC Steph, and tonight we will look back on what happened earlier at St. James's Park between our not-so-mighty Tottenham Hotspur and Newcastle United. Before we get started, we've got a small favour to ask. We rely on word of mouth to pick up new listeners. And if you like our pod, please help us by talking about it on social media or wherever else that you hang out online. Now, we're going to meet tonight's team in a moment, Ricky, Milo and Moby. And before we get into it, I'm going to ask each of them a vital question we need to know the answer to. What have you got in your pockets right now and why? Ricky, I'm going to start with you. And by the way, Milo, uh, Moby, that doesn't mean you have license to run off to the bogs and flush uh, the contents of your pockets down the said toilet. Ricky, what's in your pockets? Oh, hi, oh, Steph. Oh, and hello, oh. actually. Sorry. Yeah, hi, Let's Steph. start again. Hello, Ricky. <laughs> what's in your pockets? <laughs> hi, Steph. Um, do you know what? Diddly squat. I know that's a bad answer. Um, I'm just in shorts, mate. In my house, straight on with the shorts on, I'm indoors. I'm going to put the baldies on. It's a warm house I live in, so... I have got nothing in my pockets, you know. Is that not a great answer? Sorry, well, it Steph. just tells me that you ran off to the toilets because you read the notes before anyone else and you've been Sorry, at the man. flush before anybody else. That's no, what it no, tells no, no. Me, well, man. I could, I could like in um, loving memory of Rick Mail and Captain Flashheart say that I've got a canoe in my pocket, but, um, <laughs> but that's probably not the that's... response you want, is it? But I can say I am pleased to see you. That's one thing I will say, Steph. I'll say Moby and I can leave this call if you want to be alone for a minute or two. Uh, well, no, no, Milo, actually, seeing as you've uh, piped up with a, with a comment, what's in your pockets, mate? And hello, how are you? Uh, I'm good, thanks, mate. Uh, I've got a set of keys and a hanky. That's it. A used hanky? Uh, used on my son earlier on. So basically, basically, you know, three and a half year old boys, they're just snot factories. So do you recycle that hanky? Surely not. What do you mean, do I recycle it? Well, why is it back in your pocket if it's got snot in it? Uh, because I fold it inside on itself because he's going to be snotty later on. It's not, <laughs> oh, it's I, co- I don't, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, handkerchief. Yes, yes, and like, oh. like an old man. Oh my word, sorry, that, sorry. Ladies so yes, I do my, recycle my, it, I, wa- I wash it and reuse it. My, that, that's just an incredible, uh, not only is that, uh, I think, eco-friendly, which I would like to note that this pod is all about eco-friendliness, I, I have to also commend you on, a, on an edge of culture that uh, I think has been lost to society, which is the well, cotton handkerchief. <laughs> Wow, I'm, well, I'm really, I'm really impressed by that. Actually, I would well, say if, if if I was wearing a, a suit at the moment, I, you know, you'd have one in the top pocket, one for show, and one for blow. Basically, is um, one but, for um, blow. We're back to the toilets, Moby. <laughs> Hello, Moby. How are you? Good to see uh, you again. <laughs> hi, mate. Yeah, good. Thank you. I'm all right. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me back on Wanker Chats. Good to uh, good to see things haven't really changed. I've missed seven pods, and I, and I come back to the electric topic of what have you got in your pockets? Oh. Well, I've got nothing, mate. What a flyer we're off to there! <laughs> really, nothing. Um, well, it's got to be honest. No, tonight. mate. No, that was no, that was Ricky, mate. I have I have actually got fully populated pockets at the moment in my in my right pocket. I've got a little pair of uh, the Apple um, wireless headphones, which I was using on my walk earlier. Funnily Ooh. enough, listening to your listening to your dulcet tones and uh, enjoying very much the podcast where you subbed me out for the lead singer of Napalm Death. Uh, <laughs> I just want to make sure. I can do a bit of a, you know, a bit of retribution there. Can I go on tour with them, please? And, uh, and Barney can sit here doing this shitty podcast. <laughs> I think my vocals are up for it. I think I think we're up for that, but I'm not sure where the Napalm Death are. Oh, mate, they don't know what they're missing. <laughs> but my Midlands accent for Barney's, it'll be days before they even notice. <laughs> and uh, anyway, in the other pocket, I've got a Fitbit health and fitness tracker, which uh, obviously looking at me, you'll, you'll find quite hilarious. <laughs> 
Wow. Well, I think the reason I was so impressed by Milo's answer is because I have a, a couple of these sort of raggedy paper uh, handkerchiefs. See? Well, they end Not up in the washing machine. They're tissues. He has a handkerchief. They, 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 they looked a bit crusty there, mate, when you hit them on your microphone. Yeah, well, the, the less said the better. And uh, I have uh, a toothpick, which is a common uh, – I always have a toothpick with me at all times with a little – flossing thing we've probably spent far too long on this section of the show it's, it's so you know, we're, we're just postponing the inevitable and let's postpone the inevitable a little more and talk and let's have a quick recap of how our boys did on international duty before we get to the proceedings of, of the uh of the of earlier today see i'm even stuttering to even remember it okay composure let me do this we had doherty and davis picking up injuries Looks like Ben Davis's injury uh, was picked up before the break, to be fair, um, and uh, the reports don't look good. Harry Kane did something rare. Um, he scored some goals. You'll notice I'm being ironic there. And he, uh, against the England beat Albania and Poland with him pretty much at the helm. That was two full games for Harry Kane, by the way, who we were all hoping might get a little rest. But there we go. Eric Dyer was called up for international duty and promptly not used. Pierre-Emile Hoiberg. That's my first accurate pronunciation of the Hoy-Bier. man's name. Hoybier. <laughs> we literally Hoy- spent five did. minutes practicing that before the pod, <laughs> didn't we? <laughs> you got your big moment, you stepped up and you shanked it. <laughs> shanked it like Gareth Bale taking that it fucking free kick. It was Bale's free kick. kick. Bale's free kick. <laughs> All right, let me start but, again. But your Pierre and your Emile were perfect. Thank you. They were beautiful. <laughs> Pierre-Emile Hoybier. Hoybier. Yes. Pierre, Pierre-Emile Hoybier. My first accurate pronunciation of this pod, and uh, I should tell you, actually, I just butchered it twice, and Milo's edited it, so it sounds like I got it right first time. You think he uh, has. <laughs> <laughs> well, he played two games during a very good set of performances by Denmark, uh, scoring and assisting the fourth goal when Denmark beat Austria. Toby Alderweireld played all three games for Belgium and returned promptly for training on, th- uh, th- <laughs> Wednesday, on Thursday Wednesday. morning. Just, Wednesday. Uh, actually, Yes, he was actually back on Wednesday. You're right. You're yeah. right, uh, Milo. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so Toby, three games to Belgium, promptly back training on Wednesday in isolation and then into group training, being the utter professional he, uh, he is. Uh, Joe Rodon played two games for Wales. Uh, lots of good last ditch, uh, tackling. Bale started two games, came on in the third. Loris played all three games for France. And Dombele, Sissoko, couple, you know, played for France. Serge Aurier played for Ivory Coast. Cessignon, who is obviously on loan, but Skip and Tanganga were all part of the England under-21 side. But the exciting news, and I have to... Look, I, full disclosure here, this is something that I'm reading and I haven't really paid attention to, but I will be paying attention to now. Maxim Pascotzi, who joined the club last September and is in our under-18 side, has played three senior games for Estonia during the international break. And he got called up. Uh, for their under-18s and promoted uh, to the senior side because a few of the seniors tested positive for COVID and he apparently took his chance. Uh, despite being a centre-back, he scored some cracking goals for the uh, for our under-18s this season and uh, you know I'm certainly going to go and check them out online because this is news to me, but it's exciting to know that we have a tight defensive centre-back who also scores goals in our ranks. It's not certainly something that uh, I think we could probably do with right now we agree might be you know might be something that we could uh upgrade on anyway yeah he's probably a few years away from that yeah i think there's some nice some nice goals there yeah so get on the internet maxim pascozzi in our under 18s let's check him out that was the good news from the uh european football 
I think the other good news just to note is that it appears by and large that it was a, a COVID free run. I've not heard of any mm. uh, COVID returns. Um, and so either, you know, we've got an exceptionally good media department keeping it under, under, under wraps or everyone came back safe and that's got to be a good thing. It's got to be an encouragement. So, so before we talk about the Newcastle game, we really do have to discuss once again this just appalling, uh, and seemingly regular occurrence now in the world of football and social media and life. And it's racial abuse after a football match. Once again, it's Davinson Sanchez who is the victim today. Uh, we saw a screenshot of an Instagram account where there were a series of, of, of I, I don't even want to say it, there are a series of emojis, the likes of which racists have been using. I don't know what they're trying to say when they do it about black players. It's just completely and utterly disgusting and it's it, it the, the levels of cowardice it hits are sort of uh, i can't even gauge them i don't know i don't know why why this happens mm. I, I don't i don't know why these people do it and 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 you know i think we would all agree if you know anyone or hear of anyone who is engaging in this the first line of action needs to be you you need to tell them to stop you need to tell someone that they are doing this make a stand against this yeah, I mean, I think, I think the authorities have got to do their bit and the social media companies have got to do their bit as well. And I think we need to start seeing the kind of punishments for online racial abuse that you'd get if you were caught doing it in the stadium. So I think the people doing this, I don't think they're football fans. I doubt, I don't, you know, but they need to be banned from football grounds. They need to be banned from social media. And I think if you're caught doing it on one platform, you ought to be banned from all of them, frankly. I think that's very, very true. And I also think the other thing is if you are primarily signed up uh, to the account of a quote unquote friend or colleague or someone and they happen to post something like that and you're part of their feed, you need to disown them. Mm. That's going to yeah. have a very big impact as well. Start mm. stepping up on a local level, both, mm. you know, if, to use a phrase on and off the pitch, you need to stand up to it. Call your friend, quote unquote, out and tell them what a complete wanker they are. Yeah, I mean, quite often people are using burner accounts for this kind of stuff as well, aren't they? So it's, it's a bit more difficult with that. These are criminal offences, whether you're doing it online or in the real world, these are criminal offences and they need to be punished as such. Yeah, I've had an issue for a little while, to be honest, why, you know, the lack of response that you get from Twitter or Instagram to these sort of things is, is nine times out of 10 pathetic. And I just, it's happening so often, I just don't get why there isn't some form of you know, credit card, passport, driving license that you need to sign up. Because at the moment, any 14-year-old with an email address goes in his bedroom, creates an account and just tweets this shit and then disappears again. I, I think the difficulty with that is that in a lot of countries, uh, social media is used for, you know, against totalitarian regimes or, or others. And I think if you start asking for that kind of information, then it can't be used as a platform in those countries. So it's, it's a complex issue. But there are ways of identifying these people and it needs to be done. I'll close by saying this. I think that there is, unfortunately in society right now, with a lot of things, there seems to need to be a decency training program that needs to take place. People seem to have lost what it is to be decent, what it is to be civil, what it is to be just kind and, and compassionate towards your fellow man, woman, child, and everyone. And that is lost. And these people are abusing that uh, that sentiment tenfold by saying that to restrict them, you're restricting their freedom of expression mm. and so on and so forth. And let's just be very, very clear. This has nothing to do yeah. with freedom of expression at all. And yeah. it must be, the lines must be drawn. And this is where I agree with what you all say. 
social media needs to grow a pair and they need to turn around and say, this is unacceptable and you will be banned for life. Ban them yeah. for life. Let's now move uh, to, to today's game. It was a 2-2 draw at Sid James's Park uh, with a bit of a carry-on all over the pitch, actually, if it's fair to say. Uh, you know, <laughs> where to start? Uh, you know, we're usually quite... I think we're usually quite positive and try and find positives in a game. But I, I've got to be honest, lads. I just don't feel like starting there today. I feel like starting on the... And the first question I want to ask is, was anyone surprised with how today turned out? I mean, Steph, you and I were talking after the game, venting a little bit. And I think I said to you that I didn't really learn anything new from this game. Uh, you know, all of the problems that we've seen today, we've seen all the way back to, to September. And, you know, there wasn't anything here that was new. And it doesn't matter how much we change the players or who else comes in. These problems seem to be, seem to be there. And I think when you see so much of that, so many different players, you know, every, pretty much every permutation we could put out, we have put out over the course of the season and it's still there. And when that's the case, you have to point the finger at the manager and the coaches. Mm-hmm. Moby, welcome uh, to the pod for the first time in seven. Uh, and uh, why don't you just, rather than me throw you, you know, a, a prompt, I don't think you need any prompts to have an initial thought on, on today's uh, 2-2 draw. Yeah, mate, I'm, I'm a bit more I'm a bit more chilled out. I know I think a lot of people have hit kind of anger pitch at this one. I think I probably hit that a few weeks ago and you guys had to calm me down. So I think I'm at a different part of the uh, the cycle or the wave now. I, I think I've sort of gone through that begrudging acceptance and, and it, you, you just don't know what you're going to get with this team. And I, I suppose team is almost the wrong word because for me, the big observation is that they're not playing as a team. If you break it into three, the defence we've all commented on looked petrified every time the ball came in. And Milo made a great point there. It doesn't matter what combination we've used throughout the team. We've used every combination. The forwards, that they're not breaking properly. They're not, you know, we talk about the fact that it's alleged that Jose doesn't train them to attack. They're meant to do that themselves. Well, it's starting to look very disconnected. And then I think for me as well, the, the, the big point, the midfield is starting to get almost as bad as the, the other two mm. ends of the field. They're just, they're not there. They're not really joining it up. They're not linking. So yeah, I think there's, I, I, I know you guys are really clear it's Jose. I, I just think that's, that's one cog of a big wheel of shite. I think there's issues. Mm. I think he, I think I know Milo, you're going to probably jump in and say he's the main issue and you fix that. And that's kind of where I'm at. I think reluctantly you, you have to fix the manager mm. and then you go on to the other points. But my final point would be, I just don't think it's going to be the broad stroke overnight solution that some people think it will be. It's just going to be ripping a scab off mm. and actually you're going to find a lot of horrible festering crap underneath. I, I don't think there are any magic bullets here. Let's be clear. I don't think we remove Jose and we bring in another manager it fixes everything overnight although I think you might see the relief that you saw at Manchester United after Jose was sacked from there and you know it was pretty clear that there were key players there who were very pleased to see the back of him and I think we might see the same but I don't think I don't think it fixes the underlying problems what I was going to ask you Maybe when you're talking about you know kind of different permutations and you know whether it's the co- whether it's the coach or manager or what have you, have we ever put a performance in under Mourinho where we've looked like more than the sum of our parts? Because I can't think of one. 
That's weird. That is a phrase I was thinking of independently myself, that that is not how this team is performing. It is performing as individuals and everyone slightly within themselves. You could argue there were, you know, don't don't forget earlier this season, we were top of the league briefly. And you could say that was a, you know, a combination of various games lining up our way and that obviously there was events that went, you know, went for us. But, you know, I, th- I would say when we spanked Man United, that looked really good. And that was... Mm-hmm. I would say better than the sum of its parts, but hell, you know, it was just a flash in the pan. So I think just to come back on your your previous point though, but, uh, before you asked me the question, Milo, you were saying getting rid of Jose, getting that new manager bounce like we had at United. So just to make sure I've understood you, then you're definitely saying you you are completely Ole Solskjaer in at Spurs. That, that's that's what you're looking for. <laughs> no, definitely not. <laughs> Ole at the wheel, yeah. <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> let's let's bring Ricky in for a second here because he's been waiting patiently and 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 Ricky I am going to frame your thoughts on today's game with a pointer if I may interestedly actually I mean a lot of people are saying that the players need to take equal responsibility for what's happening um, versus the coaching staff and I'm interested to know how you feel about that as a sentiment and if you agree I should note that he's itching his eye with his middle finger up <laughs> yeah sign language so, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm interested um, so yeah get into well it. I mean going back to what um, Milo's saying regarding like great in the sum of their parts I think unless you treat the group as a collective that's never going to occur basically you need to have that whole family feeling and everyone pulling in the same direction and Jose's talked a little bit about that after that Zagreb game of his interview about you know I, you do for me I do for you and everyone's even sitting in the stands but none of that's evident at all and I think he is he's the Pied Piper when it comes to that kind of attitude he's, he can't sort of say that should be happening I, I, I take on board what Milo says as well and I think actually changing the manager can have a bigger effect and you think strictly based on who that manager happens to be I think we've seen it a little bit at Chelsea and it doesn't have to be a Solskjaer thing necessarily I, you can just end up with a good manager if you happen to appoint the right man. And I think there is a lot they they can gain out of this group of players. And I think in this Mm. case, I mean, we all didn't want Poch to go because he had a lot of credit in the bank. Jose, to me, has got no credit in the bank at all. So I ain't ain't fussed that he's going or he has to go. I think you want it to work with some managers, but he's not giving me that feeling because I don't think, have we taken a step forward, two step backs in in the last year? In all sense purposes, it don't matter. It doesn't feel like we're going anywhere. So we could crack on for another year and we'd still be having the same conversations, basically. So basically, that let's, sounds let's, like I'm putting it. I'm putting it on the manager. <laughs> and let's let's blow a hole in some of the myths here that have been going on about the fact that this is the same crop of players that he's been dealing with since he came in. It's just simply not true. If you look at this side, at least half of this side are players that he has brought in. Yeah, you know, they're his players. So that's just not true. And furthermore, I have to say, I completely disagree with, with people who say that this squad it needs a complete makeover. Mm. I think that's absolute tosh. I think that with an identity and with a purpose beyond just existing to try and win football matches, I think that this squad, with a couple of additions, could be mm. revitalised very quickly by another manager. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the core of the squad, uh, the side is pretty good. And I think the new players we've signed over the last couple of years have been pretty good signings on the whole. I'm, I'm pretty happy wow. with them. I think there's... Um, a few players that have gone stale and need to be moved on for their own good as much as ours. I think there's quite a lot of them actually. I think there's probably, you're probably looking at about eight or nine players that we could, we could comfortably lose and, uh, and be better. We've got some players who are out on loan who could come in and would be an instant improvement. So we don't need to replace nine players. I think we could probably let go that many and maybe bring in four or five. And that's not all first team players. So I think we definitely need a first choice centre back. 
we definitely need a first choice right back. We need a keeper, probably someone who with a view to replacing Lloris soon or immediately. And that's probably it for priorities for me. And then, you know, the, the others probably depend on whether any players that I'd be less happy to see go, go, and whether we need to replace them. That seems pretty doable to me. I was going to say, Mel, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, the ones you list, there's plenty of there to work with. And the ones that are carried over from Poch, like the Canes, the Suns, the Lamellas, the Moras, I'd never doubt, or even Davis, I'd never mm. doubt their kind of commitment or their willing to help the team and get, and, and follow, follow everything that they've been told. So that's, that, that adds up to quite a lot of numbers. And the, and the other ones that Milo talks about is pretty much a kind of commonly agreed list of who we think probably needs to be moving on yeah. and that kind of thing. So there's no, yeah, there's not much um and ahhing going on there I don't think and I think to think I think people do hark back to that just thinking oh it's you know it's the same people it's the same mentality it's, I think you know we're gonna what we how many years are we gonna say that for well I, I I have to again you know let's use this game as the prism through which we're you know talking about these moments and these situations and these uh these theories that we have I mean I we spend the first 10 minutes on the front foot battering them I think everyone is sitting there thinking we need to score now Otherwise, we knew what was going to happen. And I put that down to a lack of personality and a lack of identity. Who are we? What type of football are we actually playing? Does, can anyone tell me what's our personality? Who is Tottenham Hotspur? Who were Tottenham Hotspur this afternoon? We don't have one. And we've talked about this before, where Mourinho hasn't come in. You know, <laughs> I hate some of these wanky modern expressions like philosophy, you know, football philosophy and what have you. But I'm going to have to use it here because I can't think of another word right now. Mourinho doesn't really have a philosophy. There isn't, there hasn't been a consistent style since he came in. He has tried to play possession football on, on occasions. We have played on occasions a low block sitting back and soaking up pressure. We have played on the break. We've played, you know, a, a number of different uh, styles, you know, both last season and this. There isn't a consistent approach. I think sometimes we get caught between different styles because players are uncertain. They don't know what they're going to, you know, what they're being asked to do. Whereas if you look at, yeah, Manchester City or Liverpool, and I know Liverpool have had their problems this season, but you know how Liverpool play, you know how Manchester City play, you know how Manchester United play, and the players coming into that side know what's expected of them. With Spurs, I don't think that's the case from one week to the next. I think that you highlighted that in the chat, Milo, because I think you and Steph were going backwards and forwards for quite a while about what formation we were playing. And I think you're almost looking for a conclusion that we don't actually know what the conclusion is, because quite often it's just massively random. And I'm not sure whether that's Josie doing the kind of, well, you know, I let my forward players work it out amongst themselves. Mm. But even if it is, it doesn't seem to be working. I think I think there's certainly an element of that. So, I mean, we pretty much always defend 4-4-2 under Mourinho. I mean, it does change game to game, but that's, that's pretty much how he wants us to defend. And you're absolutely right in that when we attack you don't have those routines to the same degree. Mm. So it depends on who's in what position and who's breaking. So it can be a bit shapeless. Yeah, Moby, I'm going to bring you in with a metaphor here, if I may, uh, and see where you spin off this. I mean, if you're shooting a film and you have the calibre of Al Pacino and Robert De Niro in your cast and you send them out there and just tell them, well, you know, do what you guys do. You guys, are, you guys are the top of your game. You do what you do. I'm going to give you the freedom to do it, and I expect you to be able to make it work. This is a gangland thriller. You're a good guy. You're a bad guy. You go for it. Now, that kind of approach might work with a Mike Lee film, but it requires a Mike Lee setup. But when you've got caliber and talent of that brilliance, you need to have 
an identity and a shape and, and a style. You need to, they need to know what they're doing as much to interact with those around them as not. And there were moments today I looked at Kane looking for runners around him. People aren't going. And then all of a sudden there's too many people going. It was, it was really, it was ridiculous in my opinion. And it looked like they just have no clue. I'll leave you to bounce off that analogy. You're good at bouncing off my tangents. Um, does it resonate with you? Did that, does that capture <laughs> I was anything? I going to say that's the longest bloody question I've ever heard. <laughs> it's a rambling point. I was, uh, do, I do was th- just going to, oh, cool. I was just going to ask you, can you, no, sorry, can you repeat the question? <laughs> I actually, so what's sad is I actually can because it comes down to having a complete and utter star quality at your fingertips and then abdicating responsibility for the management of it, which I believe is what this manager and this coaching staff have been doing for the better part of a year. Would you agree with that? I forgot my answer about three times now. Um, no, I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take that analogy, thank you, and I'll try and run with it. So, yeah, I think in Jose's head, he's expecting the, the cafe scene in Heat with De Niro and Pacino together. Sadly, what he's getting is Righteous Kill, that film that came out about 20 <laughs> years later and was absolute shite, despite having those two in it. So, so yes, mate, I think that's what we're getting. It, it, worked at, it worked at Real Madrid for him, didn't it? And, you know, that to me is not the bloody template to use to think that it's going to work at Tottenham Hotspur. We, we need a bit more work. Thinking back, and I, I don't want to turn it to you guys here and just keep harking back to the glorious Poch days all the time, but, but one of the things that did stick with me was I remember a commentator once, uh, an ex-pro watching us play, and I think at half-time there was a comment made about our attacking triangles and our mm. pressing and the fact that we kept changing shape um, to stay one step ahead of the opposition. I can't remember who it was, but they, I always remember the phrase and they, they actually said, yeah, this is not an accident. This is evidence of an extremely well-drilled, well-trained, organised team. And that happens on the training ground. And yet, to finish your point there, we're not seeing that now, are we? It's no. just give it to Harry and hope he can flip it through to somebody. I thought one of the things that was most disappointing today was that this is the second time we've put out this side obviously it's been an international break but not all of the players went on that break and they've had a few training sessions since they came back from international break and they look worse than they did last time they played together last time they played together they had one training session because the villa game was very very close to the zagreb game well they'll have they'll have like a whole week with jose this week won't they so celebrate good times come on celebration <laughs> do we feel that um do we feel that you know the the coaching staff have, have have like given up i mean do we feel that they're just treading water now and passing the buck wherever they can i've got another Mourinho quote for you the best gifts are the players who are here i don't need new players i just need to get the, to know the ones these ones better i know them well but you never know them well enough until you meet them i told the players i came here because of them I tried to buy some of them for different clubs. Some of them I didn't even try because you know how difficult it was. Today, he said in response to Juliet Grace from BBC Five Live, who asked him in the past, holding on to a lead is what you've been so good at doing. He replied with four words, same coach, different players. I mean, it's it's it tells you a story. I'd add as well, like today he said as well, that some, and those players that he so wanted to get to know better, he's, he was even saying today, sometimes now they haven't got the profile, the vi- the vision, the balance, it's not a top players. And you can add that to like the Sargreb thing where he said, you know, there's selfishness, there's self-interest. Can you, can you read that again? What did he say? He says what we need is we haven't got the pri- we haven't got players with the profile, the vision, 
the balance. Mm. It's not of top players. That's what he said. And then I say you had that to last week's stuff when he was going on about the selfishness, the self-interest, playing with no pride and that kind of thing. It's almost as though anything else you want to accuse any of them of? <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. That's all just evidence to me that he shouldn't be allowed to buy players then. I mean, players, if he reckons that Arlott were good and he should have tried to, you know, he was trying to buy them. There's, can, can I join yeah, in the quotes <laughs> as well? I've just seen one. Our um, quote our, 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 our friend Luton Spurs is, uh, is at home, obviously at the moment, not on the pod, but bless him. He's just posted us this little beauty uh, forwarded from Alistair Gold at Football London, who's wrote a piece. But just to summarise it, he's put a piece on Jose Mourinho. Um, understand some of his comments today have not gone down well with certain players so I've not had a chance to read the article yet but uh, that's the beginning of the end isn't it when he starts doing that he's going to rip his t-shirt off soon and he's going to have his Chelsea kit on underneath and he's going to dance off down the highway. I'd imagine they won't go down well in the boardroom either. That's a very very key point. So I I think we're entering in Mourinho endgame now we know how messy that can get and I think the best thing that can happen now is that it's ended before it gets too messy. Because the worst thing that can happen is that we persevere into him next season. We go full Mourinho meltdown. We end up getting rid of him in the autumn or early winter. And then we waste another season. Yeah, that's a shit option, yeah. Just coming off the back of that, I'm still thinking about Stefan's 45-minute question. Because it was that long, I'm, I'm still mentally answering it. And uh, I think what you've just described there, Milo, is in my mind is like the Godfather 3. Could we just kind of see a shot at the end? With, a, with an ancient Mourinho sat on his rocking chair outside his retirement home in Portugal just with the, the apple or the orange dropping on the floor and rolling off as he passes away. If we can sit with Coppola for a minute, I'd be quite happy to have him far, farmed off to the jungle and uh, many years later have to send a boat to see if we can carve him out of his cave. Can we do? Can we accelerate that portion of this journey? That's how no, he's going, it is. isn't it? And look, he's I, I going know, full apocalypse I, you know, I know now. that there's people and who say, you know, well, it's so easy to jump on him and everyone moans about Mourinho you know, I want to make this very very clear this pod has been I believe exceptionally generous to this man his history his undoubted legacy and success in the game we've given him every latitude affordable but there comes a point where you have to you have to call it as it is and I believe we are at that point we can analyze this game we can get into mistakes we can talk about the fact the centre-halves ran into each other and should Tanganga have let the ball come across and, you know, a terrible challenge for the first goal and who was... Let's face it, it's all academic at this point because we knew what was coming and, and we know what is coming. And so we're here, aren't we, John? Aren't we, we're here, guys, right? I mean, do we need to really analyse this game in detail? No, not really. I think basically, like I said before, I think when it comes to um, tactics or when it comes to the building a culture or just people management and things like that, I'm not. I'm going to. I'm not going to. I would. I would never criticise Jose too much, but I just think he's just not the smartest guy in the room anymore. I agree with that. I think on Mourinho, he's never been to my taste. Let's be clear about that. I've never particularly enjoyed his sides. I don't particularly like the way that he behaves. Actually, I really dislike the way he's behaved on a lot of occasions. But there was no doubting that 15 years ago he was one of the best managers in the world 100% yeah and I don't think that's been the case I think since Real Madrid he's he's not the manager he was before that I'll say it I think he's a pragmatic binary dinosaur I think his whole style is based on if you have world-class talent you can basically put them out there and as long as you don't let the, the ball in at the other end they will get you the goals at the other uh, you know when you go forward and it's just football is not that simple anymore yeah I mean I think you're right in terms of his preferred management approach is to coach a side to be tight defensively and then trust flair players your flair players to be better than, than the opposition's and that works when you can buy the best flair players in the world or you know in the league and to be fair 
in Son and Kane, he probably has got two of the best in this league. Maybe you were talking about us being top of the league uh, in the autumn. That was down to that. And and our defence was quite tight at that point. But we've um, we've taken one hell of a hammering since then. I don't think it's just a coincidence that his what perceived demise has coincided with the kind of rise of the system manager. In other words, yeah. they're just, as I say, they're just outsmarting him. You know, he can't cope with when other teams bring that kind of thing. Yeah, and I was going to pick up on something that you've said a few times, uh, Ricky, where you've been talking about the younger crop of managers coming through. And actually, bizarrely, we're going to put uh, Guardiola in that, although he's probably the same generation as Mourinho. But in that they're a lot more cohesive in the way they manage. The, 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 I think you've called it a family atmosphere. Hmm. What we're seeing at the moment is Mourinho distancing himself from the players. And he's dis- distancing some players from other players. And that's always going to be counterproductive. There's no doubt we need to, to, to move some players on. There's no doubt about that. But the way you should do that is behind closed doors. And I think back to um, when Pochettino first came in and there was a crop of players there who were senior first team players who needed moving on. And I thought it was a real test for a a manager who wasn't really proven in this league and there were a lot of questions about him and a lot of people questioned that his appointment but you know Adebayor who's been a real handful for a lot of uh, managers before and since he managed to m- move him on you know he, he cut him out of the first team he was training with the kids but you didn't hear a squeak out of him I think we're in a similar position now maybe the players aren't quite as disruptive as mm. as uh, Adebayor and and Benny were and others but I think we need to we, we've got a crop of senior players who need cutting out and moving on but I think I think Poch was very clever in that first season in the sense of he didn't reject them straight away. He mm. let them show their own, their, show their colours. And then he yeah. said, right, I ain't having that. And, you know, that was the big turning point. I don't know if there was some kind of argument at half time or something, wasn't there? What he did was, first and foremost, he established trust within the player group mm. so as he could then put it on the players to pick their captain. That's if right, you remember, yeah. that's mm. what happened. He won the squad trust and let them it was very cleverly done but it started with trust it was the younger players who called out the older players wasn't it we need that now we need that that generational shift well this feels like a return to the the tim sherwood tottenham i mean i don't think it's overstating it today's game felt like uh, the sort of game we might have seen under sherwood there was even the gillette on show wasn't there you're right actually i hadn't even thought of that and we commented on that during the game in our in our thread there was there was the gillette that that was that was on uh, jose's back quite literally what i would add to that which makes this possibly for me worse than a tim sherwood era performance is there was that you could you could smell the i could smell the fear from 6000 miles away on my couch these players are always playing afraid to make a mistake and the more you play afraid to make a mistake the more mistakes you're going to make that's that's a life rule even even like when you said it looks like we might score early and they might collapse i mean obviously the reverse is true for us i mean in that villa game if they had scored even in zagreb when that first goal goes in it's almost then the path is almost set then that's not a sign of strength at all in any way shape or form really and let's be clear, this, we, I mean, we're not going to review the game fully, but I mean, it is worth, someone is going to listen and say, well, you know, we bounced right back and we got a goal. We did get a goal, but once again, that was Harry Kane's industry profiting from a piece of incredible but defensive buffoonery for, from Newcastle. And- Steph, this has been this has been pretty free-flowing and, you know, we've all been kind of bouncing around off each other. Should we take a minute to talk about Alderweireld and, and, and Aurier, who let's. have both been, been, both been left out for the second game on the trot and there's been a bit of so Mourinho's comments around Alderweireld in the press conference 
have been disputed. So the standard, uh, Dan Kilpatrick has got a story in the standard with uh, unnamed sources saying that Alderweireld uh, came back from international duty on Wednesday um, and was available to play and had trained with the side after Mourinho saying that he came back unfit and was only able to train yesterday. I mean, I think that it's it's well worth discussing. I mean, obviously, as uh, I think you've all been saying, you know, we're, we're almost dealing with two squads right now at Spurs by Jose's uh, exclusion and uh, separation. It certainly does appear that Toby is in that excluded squad. And I think that, I mean, let's just go through the names between us. What, Winks? I think Bale is, is hovering right on the edge. I think Dyer is there. I think Sissoko's there for some reason. Aurier. Aurier. Trying to think if there's anyone else we're missing out right now. Delhi. Yeah, Delhi, oh, obviously. Of course, Bale. the, the, Bale. the Bale. elephant in the yeah. room. Yeah, as a uh, Bale. I mean, that's a considerable battery of talent i think the question i would have off the back of that guys is and we go back to a question we've asked before but perhaps it's with a little more of a finite focus now take that excluded squad do you think someone like a nagelsman could come in and use that as a core to bounce the young players off and re-energize and refocus and rebrand and and sort of uh, give a new personality to do you think we would get anything from them there's some good players there i've got doubts about whether bell's good for anything other than cameos anymore I, I, yeah, he doesn't have the legs. He, he can't track back. He can't defend. And Nugglesman wants his side to uh, defend you know, from the front to press. I, I can't see Bale in a peak potch side. He couldn't do that. He couldn't cover the ground. The question with him is, is he worth 200000 a week for a handful of cameos a season? I, I don't think, given where we are financially, I just don't think that makes any sense. I'd, I'd rather we spent that money on a centre-back. Okay, let's take Harry Winks. I think Harry Winks is a fascinating example of, mm-hmm. of where we're at because here is a player who, if coached properly, has all the tools of the sort of deep-line midfielder that we need. I mean, mm-hmm. he's got the toolbox. Do we think that he is a busted flush and he has to get away from this club to make it work? Or can someone come in and re-energise him? So uh, the story this week is that Atletico Madrid, Sevilla, Valencia and Everton are interested in Harry Winks. None of those clubs are a big step down from us. Atletico Madrid are clearly a step up. So, you know, he's not a busted flush. With the right manager in the right system, I don't think he's a first-team player for us. I don't think he's a start, an automatic starter for us, but he's a useful squad player. And, he and you know, he, he'd be getting, um, you know, 20, 30 games a season. Yeah, I just think uh, with Winks, he's kind of, over the years, he's kind of been slightly misdirected into a position that he doesn't necessarily... When he first came around, I thought he was... We always kind of do the comparisons with Modric, but he was definitely a light version of that, and he could maybe dictate the game. And he's kind of, I don't know if he does it but just because of his sheer love for Tottenham and he wants to get in the team and he'll just do anything and play anywhere and he'll try his heart out. But I think it's almost then distracting from what his natural game might be. I don't know, a bit like Delhi and other players. It's kind of just rolled on from one season to the next to the next. And before you know it, another four or five years has gone. And you kind of then wonder what Winks is. And I mean, a bit like Milo was saying earlier, maybe some of these players might be better off leaving for their own benefit, maybe. I mean, I, I heard a while ago that he was a right winger initially in the youth team. And I think my, my biggest frustration with it is he could have shown signs of being further up the pitch uh, you know and do, actually doing stuff for us but we've crowbarred him we've tried to turn him into a you know little Wanyama or defensive midfielder and I think he's just gone into his shell so I don't think he's a busted flush although you know if he turned around tomorrow and said oh, I want to go out on loan or whatever I couldn't blame him or you know I want to leave I want to play football to any one of those good clubs you've said However, you know, if we had Nagelsmann come in, you've got to let him have a look at these players because, as you said, Milo, there's plenty of good players in there. If he could 
get three or four of them playing again, that's that's brilliant. That's easier than going to the market and trying to trying to replace them. A new manager might want to look at these players, but I suppose the other pra- pragmatic view, like financially from the club, is we might have to add up a few players to get some cash in. You know what I mean? So, and Winks could well be worth. What do we think? Put a number on it, boys. Twenty to thirty. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I think twenty sounds sounds about right to me. I think in this COVID market as well, I think if anyone's going to give you twenty million pound for a mid-ranking squad player, you've got to take it. He's probably worth a bit more to an English club, isn't he? So maybe thirty to an English club because of the um, homegrown thing, a bit a bit less to um, to a Spanish club. Yeah, it's COVID market though. That's what just makes me think everything's going to be so compressed. That, you know, unless you're getting him out to, to the Man Cities of this world or Chelsea, which I don't think deal would want to do. I just come back to the conclusion time and time again. And I know that, you know, I have a habit of possibly simplifying this to a place where it seems, you know, almost stupid. Uh, and I'll, I'll do it again. As a 54-year-old male with an adult child and with a teenager, there are certain situations in life, whether it be stress, conflict, hard times, whatever, that you you have to apply emotional intelligence. Mm. You have to. That, that You can't read that in a coaching manual. You can't have Bobby Robson teach you that. You can't learn that from having won tons of trophies. As a matter of fact, sometimes it is the hardest to find those skills when you have had success because you really do think your way is the only way. And as we get older in life, you have to learn that there are new ways of dealing with things. He simply does not have the emotional intelligence you know all jokes aside you guys know i work with i work with high profile people who are in positions where it can be sticky and there are egos and, and all sorts of stuff and like and sometimes the metaphoric cup of tea an arm around the shoulder and getting everyone together and saying lads it's a fucking shit show i'm part of it we're all part of it but you know what i believe in you deep down you can find it i know you can i fucking got your back and he doesn't have their back and they know it and that's kind of what he did at chelsea wasn't it though he did do that uh, apart from to the odd player but once he got his once he got his group together he he did back them he was good at that wasn't he but I, there's so much macho bullshit with him though isn't there the yes. all the stuff about kind of injured players and you know you know the 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 Davis stuff about playing through injury, and you know we saw it on All or Nothing, didn't we? With with Son and his broken arm, and uh, and uh, and others. You, know, he he seems to think that it's a kind of manly thing to play through injury and all the rest of it, when actually it could just harm your long term interest because playing through an injury could mean that you're out for a month rather than you know rather than a game. I think he's similar uh, psychologically, and, and you know that side of it as well. It, it's it's just a bit outdated and I think Ricky that's what you're talking about when you talk about you know some of the modern managers they're not like that they're a lot more in touch well the other thing is why they're in touch is which is quite common with the modern manager is they take an interest in your kind of whole life outside of football as well I mean a lot of the players have said that about them they're saying what's going on at home if they've got other problems they come to it when I think I guess most of Mourinho's stuff starts at the training ground and ends at the training ground. And all he's worried about is what might be going on with you that's going to affect me achieving the goals that I want to achieve rather than just having a holistic approach and then, you know, everyone gets pulled in the same direction together. 
Yeah, and, and if you don't match what he wants, then he'll ship you out and replace oh, yeah. you. And he'll make snide comments on the way as well. That's the horrible thing about it. Like I've always said before about that third-party messaging, when he says something about someone, uh, like he'll praise someone about playing for an injury, when he isn't really praising that player about playing for an injury, he's saying something to someone else that's shying off with an injury. That's his message usually. It's almost like a third party. Yeah, I think that's a bit unfair to say that Jose isn't interested in what's going on at uh, the players' houses. I mean, it was well publicised. He turned up on on, on a Tange and Dombley's door, didn't he? On his doorstep, knocking and dragged him out. So, uh, you know, he can't do right for doing wrong. He did that <laughs> and then he got criticised for it. Credit for that one. Again, we've gone to review a, a, another disappointment. We've gone to start talking about players. We've ended up, I think, with a, a football match that has shown the same sorts of mistakes and trajectories that we've seen too many times this season. As Milo said at the top of this, I learned nothing today that I didn't already know. And we've also ended up talking about Jose Mourinho because, gentlemen, ladies, boys and girls, we are in that phase of the Jose Mourinho journey at whatever club he's at. I think the sad thing with Mourinho now is it used to be that you got a couple of years of success before you got into this spiral. It now seems to start a few weeks after he starts and last a few years. Well, that's the fear. It just worries me that, you know, if, it, if inevitably as it's feeling now, he leaves now, end of the season or whatever, empty-handed, we are going to be eternally tagged as the only club he didn't win something with. I don't really give a shit about that. I, I'm, I'm more interested in a, what can we do next season to have a better season than we've had this year? And I don't think the answer to that is having uh, having Jose Mourinho at the helm. So I don't really give a shit about uh, whether we're the first club he hasn't won something with or you know, he hasn't won the Euro Europa League the first time he's in it or you know loses his first League Cup final or whatever. I don't really give a shit about that. I, I, I just want what's best for the club and it's not him. And the other, I mean, the other thing, if it is going a bit to shit now, at least it's kind of like a small segment to the end of the season. So the in-between season part might be a good time to like where we can shift him on yeah. rather than having a little bounce and then maybe getting that and that kind of thing and then it's still up in the air. I mean, there's been rumours that Levy says that he's going to continue on next year, but that's just rumours. I mean, I think... It's just, I, it can't it can't happen. He's got to sell season tickets. In, in, in a month's time, they're going to start selling season tickets. I know of at least three of my friends who have said that if there is a sniff that, you know, he's going to be here next year, they're not renewing. And it's nothing to do with whether he wins, loses. He can win the Egg Cup or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just, he doesn't create create a fun app. I mean, you've said this many times, Ricky. It's- I think, I mean, Levy is smarter than the average bear in So at the end of the day, he's going to like, um, he's, he's going to add all this up. Because the other thing, like you say, Steph, with crowds back in the stadium, it could turn toxic within two, three, four weeks, let alone, you know. It would have been over by now. If, if there were crowds in the stadium, I don't think he would have got past Christmas. There's a chance here that he can go in the summer with everyone maintaining their dignity and in a you know in a, the most controlled way possible you know after the last game of the season thank you very much you came in at a difficult state time you've helped bring in some you know bring in and bed in some really good players blah 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 you're off to be portugal manager or whatever it is you know thank you for everything you've done right now let's move on and hit, and hit the ground running on day one of the transfer window. It's the only solution, I think, at this point. And let's just hope that Daniel doesn't go down the path of uh, going into next October, November to make this. He's done it before. I mean, we should wrap this section up. What I about suppose, the games? Because we, you know, have unwittingly, <laughs> yeah, we've unwittingly turned it. We've unwittingly turned it into a Jose Mourinho pod. But again, I, I, I sort of am half apologising. He has once again made it about himself. But let's look at some, let's, let's, let's use some statistics to get us back on track for a second. The XG stats for today, Newcastle 3.3 and we were 2.4. Newcastle had 22 shots to our 11. They had six shots on target to our five, but we had 59% of 
to their 41% in possession. We're fifth. We're above Liverpool on goal difference. We've gained a point on Chelsea and Leicester. Chelsea being two points ahead of us in fourth. I suppose the only good news we could say is we've extended our lead on Arsenal to seven points. I have no idea uh, what Manchester United are doing, but they're apparently doing something because I've been busy uh, yammering away here. Uh, Everton and West Ham play on Monday. Uh, West Ham, we could see them go fourth. Uh, Everton have two games in hand on us and are three points behind. You know, Let's fly through this quickly. Let's make this a 10-second question. You know, how are our European qualification prospects looking? Grade them. Champions League, Europa League, Europa... Conference. You know, Diddy Men's <laughs> Squat Crap Cup, whatever. One, two, three. What are our chances? Well, to, to be in the conference, we, we need to win the League Cup final. So we're not in that. <laughs> we don't even get into the diddly squad. Don't know actually whether it, it, or does it roll across the league. I don't know. Everyone's having shitty results. I mean, obviously Chelsea had a stinker yesterday. Um, so I, I think we'll know a lot more after the next two games, which are United and Everton. Uh, United were behind against Brighton at half time, but I haven't seen the score since then. So they won. To whom? To Man They won. Yeah. Oh. So, I mean, I think United are going to finish second, aren't they? So uh, we need four points off the next two games if we're going to keep uh, our European hopes alive. Well, I mean, we've talked about this in the week with the kind of what um, what games we've got left. I mean, and if you use the context of today's game is that Newcastle were like rock bottom of the form league. They were without St. Maximin. Is that his name? You know, that nice French Alps ski resort. And, um, and Callum Wilson as well. And they weren't there. We had the might of Joe Linton and um, Dwight Gale force up front for them and we st- you had the might of fucking Voldemort John John O'Shelby at centre half for so, the last 20 minutes I don't know D- Dwight York as the commentator <laughs> said didn't he at one point as well he rolled it back 20 years oh, and called dear. him Dwight York so I mean with that context it's kind of like how you know how do you do predictions really I can't see us I mean, there's too many people in the race as well. That's a bit of a worry. I think Liverpool looked the other night. They're obviously not crap. I mean, they've had a bad time of it, but at least they still look like they know what they're doing and they've got some top quality players. And West Ham have done well. Leicester probably aren't going to slip up enough for a points total. So, and Chelsea, well... So Liverpool being back in the mix worries me because I think in a straight race between us and Liverpool, I'd back them every time. Yeah. They've got a better manager and better players. Yeah. It's grim. Go Moby. Yeah, prediction-wise, um, I'm confident we'll stay up. So there you go. <laughs> there's, a, there's a good start. Looking at the table, um, I see us finishing between sixth and eighth. So on that basis, I'm going to say seventh, whatever that gets us in, which knowing our fucking look, as I always complain about, is going to be the fucking conference league or whatever it is that we're going to end up in. So yeah, se- seventh, I'm going to say. Okay, guys, uh, again, we have been a bit off-piste, so to speak, with regards to, you know, definitive match analysis versus the uh, this weekend's Jose Mourinho show. But that being said, let's drill down one positive, one negative. I'm going to start with you, Moby, three, two, one, go. <laughs> Thank you very much. No, um, the positive for me was Harry Kane. Two goals. What a man. What a leader. As long as we never sell Harry Kane, I think we're in, you know, we'll always be okay. Uh, my negative is um, I think we're probably going to sell Harry Kane. Ricky? Yeah, same. Kane for me. He's just, you know, praise the Lord we've got him. He gets us out of many a, a hole, I think. Um, negative is, sorry to say it, but Sanchez, not for me, Clive. Milo? Um, my positive would be I don't think anyone can afford Harry Kane. So <laughs> I think he stays. And the negative, uh, Reguilon, I think, uh, looked really shaky again today he hasn't looked he hasn't looked as good since he came back from injury he looks like he's lost a yard of pace um it looks to me like he's still carrying an injury was part of um is part of 
getting him back up to full fitness that he wears ankle weights, is it? <laughs> it was extremely slow today. <laughs> if you look at him earlier in the season, he's always been a bit dodgy positionally and caught out, but he's been quick enough to come back and, and recover. And at the moment, he's not quick enough to come back and recover. True. Although I thought there was a, a period in the second half just after Sun came on where he looked a lot better going forwards. But on the whole, he was playing as a pretty standard um, fullback, not getting forward much and not being very good defensively. He looked like the, Sp- the Spanish Ben Davis, didn't he, today? He was that slow. <laughs> it's a shame, though, because getting more forward, he's got a lovely cross, hasn't he? So it's almost like we'd, we'd want him to get into that position. Yeah, I, I just don't think he looks fully fit. I, I'm sure I'm sure when he's, uh, he's fit, he'll, he'll be a bit quicker and he'll yeah. be back where he was. But um, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like Real Madrid. <laughs> I wouldn't be. Well, he's not. He's not playing Real Madrid form, is he? So they're not going to pay. They're not going to pay the uh, buyout clause based on this season. So I think. I think he's here for another year. I, I, I think. I think he probably needs the summer um, to recover. And, uh, and I don't think we're going to see the Reggion that we loved in the kind of first half of the season until next season, probably. He'd be in the. he be in the Spanish team, though, will he? I suppose he will, won't he? He wasn't called up this week. Oh, okay. I'm going to join everyone on the positives. I mean, you know, we're just so privileged to to have Harry Kane, and uh, we're lucky as well right now because without him, I think I speculated before we started today's recording. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what our points tally would be without his goals, which, of course, as Milo pointed out, he's not. You know, you can never directly correlate those things, but I think it would be a really interesting thing to look at but that aside the way he finished that 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 second goal was just just great and you really felt we were going places there and I think for me the negative other than the overall pervasive uh, fear and, and lack of cohesion everything biggest negative was really just seeing Gareth come onto the pitch walk up to that free kick and there's a flicker of hope in you. You just think, is he going to do it? And you're just like, no, he's not going to do it, is he? And he didn't just not do it. It was, it was actually like, it was actually like watching the field goal kicker coming on for an NFL team, and he placed it in about the place that you'd want a field goal to go in terms of between the posts, but high over the bar. It wasn't ideal coming on cold, though, was it? Coming on cold to take it like that's not ideal anyway. I didn't well, think but that. The whole, when... But the whole fact that he was even, you know, we should not, that someone should be taking the responsibility and not putting it on it. The whole thing is we just lean on, we're leaning on a talent there that just mm. doesn't, for whatever reason, have it right now for him. I mean, I think I think he could be a great cameo player, but the connection is lost. You know, I was really glad that I paid 200 quid for my shirt when I did. I'll never regret that. The shot of joy I got was worth it. But sadly, it, it, it just... It's over, isn't it? And that was sad to me. It was really sad. Which, of course, brings us to Sunday, the 11th of April, our next game uh, against Manchester United at White Hart Lane, 4.30pm. You know, who should we play in this game? Given given the fact that, you know, nobody seems to have any real confidence other than Harry, uh, what do we change? I wouldn't make many changes because I don't think we've got many choices. I would start Sun in, in place of Vinicius, otherwise unchanged side. Is that um, have we got many choices because like all the rest have been alienated? Is that maybe yeah, right? partly, <laughs> partly. But I also, but I also think we're in a, I think we're in a building for the future stage. Yeah, I'd, and, and and I'd rather that back four got games and got used to each other yeah. and got experience. Yeah, I've said that in the week. I think we should stick with Rodon as much as possible. One because we need to have a good, well, we need to have a good look at him, and he's he's done nothing wrong really. I was glad today that when he jarred his ankle, he managed to carry on because he actually did look like he was quite hurt there. Yeah, I think because if we can work out to some degree if Roden is okay 
mm. as in good enough quality, then that might ease the pressure on the centre half buying because we could definitely we definitely need one. But if we need yeah. two, maybe we can then go a bit easy on the second one because we think Rodon's half decent. So I would stick with Joe Roden for this game. I'd stick with Tanganga for this game as well. I mean, once again, we must remember this is a player who is not a natural right back. He's been asked to play a role. I think he's doing fairly well. Did he let the cross, should he have let the cross come in for the second goal today? Perhaps not, but systemically you could point to many failures that led to that moment and it's not all on him. So I would stick with them. I really would. Do you keep Davinson Sanchez? I personally would. I know that's an unpopular decision, but I would because at this point there's nothing to lose unless you're going to promote someone from the youth team and, and, and really let them play. Otherwise, leave that back for as solid as you can which isn't very solid, but at least is consistent. And let's see if they can get something going. I think that he's got to, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, I don't think he can play Vinicius against Manchester United. I think Sonny's got to come back in. I, I think Lucas Moura probably needs a rest. I think, the, you know, the Chelsea looks really good. Yeah, I think he's got to go to a 4-2-3-1 for that game. That would be, that would be my shift. I don't see that. Do you, that. That means dropping Moura for Lamella probably, doesn't it? It does. And in a game like this, I would take the gamble, to be honest, I would, because I think you're going to need to start with some I think you need to start with some fire and some gritness look I, I'm a huge critic of Lamello when it comes to his timing on a on a, on a, on a pass release I mean we saw it's a classic example today put him in there I also think actually given what he did to Manchester United the last time I think there might be a bit of needle going there and he might actually get under their skin just by point. being on the pitch so uh, you know I, that's a sh- it's a shift I would make and I think that Lucas has done uh, it wouldn't be any criticism on Lucas per se I'd just be looking to refresh it a little bit maybe maybe you know give me but the other thing is if he bought if he was to play the system he did today and have a second striker he could do a lot worse than starting Dane Scarlett for me I'd be excited so um, maybe and I were talking during the game about that kind of quasi number 10 role that Mora takes up in, in attack um under the current system so you know starting out on the um on the left wing and then moving centrally in attack. I worry against the better teams, they might find it a bit easier to defend against because Mora, again, similar to Lamella, isn't the great, isn't a great one at finding a pass or releasing a player. And if you can pin him back from the wide midfield area, then you cut off a lot of the supply to the attack. And then what happens then is Harry Kane stops, starts dropping deep in order to find it. And suddenly, before you know it, we've got nine players in defence and only Sonny up top. So if I was, Solskjaer and I was expecting to play us next weekend that's what I would be looking to do is to try and pin back our wide forwards into defence and suddenly we start retreating back and, and we know how that plays out you really want to be Solskjaer don't you I'm picking up a strong vibe on this pod of your love for, uh, for Ole. No, I was going to, I was going to say though, isn't it interesting? We've just listed off players that would come in, you know, if it's not Vinicius, if it's not, you know, what about trying Scarlett? We've said Lucas or Lamella. We're not even mentioning in Deli Alley to play a number 10 role, which is just crazy, isn't it? And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It's just mental how we're in this position. You're absolutely right. And it is uh, completely indicative of, of where we're at as, in terms of the atmosphere at the club and the relationships. I, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's sad. I mean, I, I, so at this burnt. point, you know, my love for Deli Alley over the years is, is, is well known, but I just, it, it, it's not working. I mean, it's for either. And I, I, I wouldn't, I almost wouldn't want to see him die a death yeah. out there again. Yeah. I'd rather see someone like Dane Scarlett and Harry Kane see what they can do for each other. Maybe, maybe Scarlett speaks onto Kane's passes with Son as well. Who knows? I, I, I... But, you know, where's Delhi's head at? 
you know, you put him in there at the moment. You know, if he thinks he's going to get, you know, called out or, um, you know, blamed for a poor performance or a misplaced pass, we know that Delhi's a player that plays high risk balls and, you know, high, you know yeah. the high percentage of them don't come off. If you haven't got, you know, Steph, you were calling out the kind of the lack of movement from the players around Kane today. Um, you know, if Delhi's, um, in that number 10 position, it doesn't change that. It's still the same problem. So I, I, I just don't think it's going to be good for him or anyone else. I agree. He's a micro player isn't he he's under the microscope so much anyway and much more this point in a negative light I agree with you but but also he's a player who's is most effective when he's playing high up tight onto a defense so yeah. he can play tight balls through the middle and in this team at the moment he'd spend most of his time a lot deeper with a lot of player field in front of him with not many players running into it and he's not very good from those deeper positions he doesn't find those passes doesn't find those balls so I, I, I just don't think it would suit him just smashing it long and fucking defending I think the answer to this is that we play 4-3-3 but the manager doesn't doesn't agree. I would agree with that. Four three three would definitely be something I'd be wanting to, to see. I'd actually be tempted to to try. I'd be tempted to try Scarlet instead of Mora in a three. I really would. I, I know I'm obsessing on a young player that really. And and again, we all know how that can go. We all know that that can go horribly wrong. But again. I just, you know, I, I suppose I want to see a sign. I just worry about young players getting thrown into a toxic environment. And, yeah. um, I, you know, I, I'd much rather, I think maybe being around the first team squad is fine. But in the kind of pressure that we're under at the moment, it could ruin him. It's too much well, too in soon. That case, in that case, we shouldn't have him in the squad because he can't be learning anything from this right now other than what a giant shit show a premiership dressing room can be. I mean, I'm wondering, I mean, what is he learning if he's not playing? If, I mean, I, I understand the logic behind a youth player being, you know, a young player being in the squad and they're good enough, but what, what benefit is he getting? Well, probably training around Harry Kane is going to be uh, going to be a useful thing for him. I think he's more training sure. with the first team squad. So I think that okay. kind of Fair work point. rate and effort. But yeah, yeah. I'd, to echo Milo's point, I, I would, I, I agree, Steph, in a way, I'd love to see him coming on maybe, but that sort of impact sub role, I think is probably better crafted. I think starting him and trusting Jose to you know have a 16-year-old in his hands like that in the current environment, it's full. <laughs> might do it Nasty. I'm just saying what I would do I wouldn't want Scarlett to be a pawn in Jose's game either he could easy no, you know. no I mean I suppose I was talking from the aspect of what I would like to see but anyway anyway Ricky have you got any uh, any thoughts any any thoughts on Manchester United uh, I don't know I mean we can it's a bit like talking about our form and what games we might win and not we can sort of discuss the formation and the team and stuff like that but doesn't seem to sort of necessarily relate like you would if you took you know during other times where you support a team and you could say oh we're definitely going to miss that player or that has a big effect because we can even with the players that came out today really I was thinking oh Lacelso's there and Dembele's there Hoybo's there and I thought well we 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 got plenty of talent on the pitch we could just outclass them and it just seems like the the kind of the cloud of doom can enshrine any system or selection. It's not like there's no real rhyme and reason. So I've got no, you know, I've got no solution for beating United, basically. Okay, well, I'm going to, well, let's wrap up this uh, preview and, and indeed this pod with a with a set of predictions. I think we should. And I'm going to lead this and I'm going to be, um, I'm going to actually try and lead on a positive. I think this team, if there's one thing this inconsistent bunch have shown is that they can occasionally step up for a big game. and They will surely go into, I said occasionally, they will surely go into the, this game against Manchester United, remembering what happened at Old Trafford. And uh, you know, I I actually think this is precisely the sort of game that we that that we might show up for. That's my heart speaking. My head tells me that we're going to be back on the pod, trying to find a way of not repeating this week's show. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go with three one, a three one victory. 
That's what I'm going to go with. Because, good Lord, I don't want to be a melt. Come on, Milo, give us your score. You love prediction. Why do you... You always do this when I'm on. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't do these. I refuse to do these. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I, I don't think United are that good. Uh, I don't think Solskjaer's a very good manager. Liar. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I think, um, but um, they're clearly in far, far better form than us. Lads, don't don't say anything else because he's got to edit this. If we wait long enough, we'll manage to squeeze an actual prediction out of him. Mm, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know which Spurs turn up. Just say a number. Just come on. And then another one. Follow your heart. Put your hand okay, on your heart. Put just... the other one on your balls and just say a, and make a see, prediction. I can see Milo's house. It's just thinking. It's just it's just pointless. Even if something comes out of my house, it's just it's pointless. It, saying does, it. it does not influence the result. Out. Whatever I say, it is illogical. No one will remember this. Saying you, just be like, you more on well, trying to push no, into prediction. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna edit it out anyway. Moby's absolutely right. It has absolutely no bearing on the match whatsoever. What I say this week will be the result. So I've got no idea. I've got no idea, and I don't know. I don't, oh. I don't do... Okay. Are we letting him off with that? I don't do predictions. I want to see how much of this, of this, uh, of this prediction actually ends up in the pod. <laughs> Milo, have, have, you ever, have you ever bought a lottery ticket? Um, yeah, you won, didn't, how, you, didn't you tell you? And how long did it take you to buy it? Were you just stood there like, for about seven hours? But um, if I don't know which number to put, well, no, how do I select it? I, I've never chosen numbers on a lottery ticket. I've only ever done lucky dips. And we'll I, do a lucky I, dip on the score then. And I've, and there I, you and go, a lucky dip on the score. We, 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 we do most weeks. We do most weeks. Get a lucky <laughs> pull them out. And I, I haven't done the lottery for about ten years. Okay, well, two, so, two, so two one is a very just, just popular throw, number. So just go with. Throw a score out, and we promise not to pin you on it if you get it wrong next week. Moby, mate, no. Yeah, got it, mate. Don't worry. I, I think we'll okay. lose. <gasps> Wish, we, wish we'd never asked. <laughs> <laughs> by, by, I don't know. Eek it out, going a, a goal or two, I don't know. <laughs> so okay. two well, nil to well, United, Milo. That's, that's as close as. Well, actually, what I'm hearing, Moby, is that my 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 you know my managerial hero. And, and idol Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is going to tonk us. That's what I'm hearing, but he just doesn't want to say it. <laughs> no. Oh well, now it's your turn, actually. So having 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 a giggle at Milo's uh, uh, prediction uh, conundrum, let's hear what yours is. Well, you just said you were going to go three-one Spurs because you didn't want to be a melt. So I'm going to continue the movie theme here and do Wizard of the Art Oz. I'm melting. I'm melting. Um, <laughs> I'm also going to go 3-1, but 3-1 to United and a Solskjaer masterclass. Excellent. And, I, you know, I'm going to throw a question in here just to see if it makes it. I've started cutting this about to. 10 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Let me throw this in because, because it makes sense. Okay, at this point in our season, on the spot, if Tottenham Hotspur Football Club is a Hollywood motion picture, what are we? Here goes Swiss Tony again. <laughs> Who wants to? Look? I'll tell you what. I, 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 I'll lead with this. I think we're a bit Scarface because I think at one point this season we were flying, like flying high, 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 and now I just think it's turning into a giant mess. I mean, even this pod this week, which had such structure, has turned into. A sort of just all over the place chit chat. 
So mm. I think it's Scarface and Moby is touching his head. He knows what film we are. No, Moby. just the Scarface thing. You've got to see this through. Um, you've got to have Jose as Montana stood on the fucking skywalk <laughs> at the end with his <laughs> machine gun. <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> just shooting the pitch up as he goes mental. And Daniel Levy there, sell more tickets for the skywalk. Skywalk now open. <laughs> Ignore the gun-toting fucking maniac up there. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky, uh, save us from this lunacy with a, a film. With a f- yeah, I think of any um, Armageddon, probably. No, <laughs> can I go? Can I go with Titanic? Yes, Titanic. Anything. That's <laughs> Very good. <laughs> go on, Milo. Just for fun, it might make the cut. It might not. Why not? Let's just see. It, it I'm pissing I, gold here. Uh, <laughs> uh, three one. I, I was going to. Um... <laughs> Wizard of Oz. <laughs> we should, lads, 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 that's called top top coaching. I, I hope you realise and notice what was done there. That's how you get the job done. You put your arm around the shoulder, lead in the other direction, boom, done. That was there clever emotional management by Steph there. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. We put, on, Milo, we put Milo in his safe space and made him feel comfortable to share. Oh, dear. Um, I was going to say Titanic as well. Uh, I've got to think of another film now. Uh, you could say Titanic 2. There was no Titanic 2. There was no Titanic 2. Titanic 2. The Revenge. <laughs> well, I don't. God. Um, I don't know. With the way that uh, Mourinho is treating the. Um, Treating everyone at the moment, it feels like the final scene of Reservoir Dogs where we're all in the warehouse and everyone's got their guns pointed at each other. That's a good call. And you know what? Quentin Tarantino would have a field day with this current uh, situation, I think. And lads, uh, look, let's just wrap it up. But I have to say, we find a way to have a laugh, even in the weirdest of times. So, you know, I really I appreciate that. And I hope that our listeners do. As off-piste as we went this week... Uh, sometimes that's the uh, that's the only place you can go with Tottenham Hotspur Football Club in you know 2021. So Milo, uh, Ricky, Moby, thanks very much indeed. Really appreciate it. Cheers, Steph. Cheers. Thanks, thanks, Steph. See you later, lads. We'll be back next week with a chat about more of Hollywood's finest stars. Uh, we'll be back next week with a chat about that game against Manchester United and some other tosh that we will pull out from uh, from somewhere, uh, especially given that we no longer have any European football to discuss. I said that on an up note as if it's a good thing. It isn't a good thing. Bad thing. But in the meantime, if you like what you hear, why not have a dig through our archives? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Give us a follow and say hello. As always, thanks very much for joining us and we'll see you next week.